This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Yeah, I put it where I'd been fishing and catching a lot of fish, and it sat there for a few days, and and I didn't have it, didn't get anything, and I actually was like, oh gosh, I'm actually going to move my net. I didn't even know if it was worth it, but I got it out of the ice and took it to a whole nother spot and plunked it down and that was it that's where i just the next day checked it and i couldn't believe it it took me a long it took a long time for me to, to dawn on me that i even caught a fish because well i had done some little tricks so i put what i saw the natives do is they'd hang shiny things in their net and so i did that i found a tin can that i cut out fish shapes and hung it in my net and sure enough that's right where the pike struck the net this is Jordan Jonas, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. I have been watching this show on television that I think is fantastic. It was referred to me by a guy that uh, I've had on the podcast before, Rob Chapman. He told me, he's like, man, if you're not watching this show, you should be watching it. It's on the History Channel. It's called Alone, Alone Season 6. And, man, I got sucked in. It was really good. And their spoiler alert, Jordan Jonas wins Season 6. And uh, he did some remarkable things on the on the uh, show. It was really incredible. Um, all of the contestants are legit survivalists, and the show is very well put together and and very well done. They're surviving in the Arctic. I think they made it seventy seven days. And our guest today is Jordan Jonas. And I think you're gonna really enjoy this podcast. I did. And while we were doing it. Um, we were talking about maybe in the future he could offer some 
um, weekend kind of seminars or week-long survival courses and stuff like that. And I just noticed between the time that we did the podcast and now on his Instagram, he just announced his first one. So if you like this podcast and you're interested in learning from one of the best, you know, truly a, a guy that has proven himself uh, and also an all-around nice guy, man. Uh, nobody better than Jordan Jonas. All right. See you. Jordan. Jordan, man, it's good to have you on. Thanks for doing this. Hey, thanks. Yeah, good to be on. Looking forward to it. <laughs> man, I tell you what, uh, our friend, our mutual friend, Rob Chapman, told me, yeah. he's like, man, you got to watch this show. You got to check this out. It's the best show on TV. <laughs> and um, so I started watching it and yeah. I loved it. I loved it. It was oh. it was really cool. Like the whole format of the show was cool. And then, I mean, that's the real deal. The Arctic. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. If you, that if you guys, for the people listening, it was, uh, yeah, Alone Season 6 on the History Channel. And uh, they stuck me out there with 10 other people uh, in the Arctic. Yeah, pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, so thanks to Rob for hooking us up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good. So you made it. You made it and ended up, you know, winning winning the the deal which was awesome because it came with some <laughs> some nice prizes um but yeah. man you really had to go through i mean 77 days is that right that's right yeah yeah so I, seven, although i gotta say I, I i fully expected it to go you know maybe twice that long I was, <laughs> that was yeah. My, yeah yeah well Ooh. i mean everybody there I mean, I was quite surprised mm -hmm. at the level of the competitors. I mean, everyone right. there was quite capable. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. They knew so what they were doing. <laughs> one of the things that I thought was interesting is before I, you know, launched into having you on the show and everything, I wanted to do a little mm -hmm. research. You got quite mm -hmm. an interesting life leading up to this thing. Like <laughs> you grew up in Idaho. Is yeah. that right? Right, North Idaho and near Coeur d'Alene, Sandpoint area. I don't know if uh -huh. you're familiar with the area up there, but yeah, really pretty country. A little family farm up there that we grew up on. Uh, yeah, then my my uh, brother at some point started riding freight trains, and he spent seven or so years where he pretty much nonstop just rode trains around the country and you know, would stop here and there and do side work and <laughs> basically live like that for a long time. And so at one point invited me to come along with him. And I spent a year doing that also. So just riding trains. Is that where your Instagram was that, was handle that? comes from? Hobo Jordan? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was always kind of a joke because, of course, Ben had rode trains for years and years. And then uh, I just rode them for you know, the better part of a year, but not that long. But then when I got back, my coworkers would all call me, Oh, Hobo Jardo's back. And then, uh, yeah, not, not really, but I dabbled in a little hoboery. Well, <laughs> so, what, what, what is that life like? Like, how do you start riding well, trains? Was a cool, I think it was a cool, cause I was 19 at the time. So I was pretty young and I feel like it was a cool, uh, coming of age like broadening your horizons experience at that age so yeah you get on a train and of course you just have your backpack and and it really puts you out in the world you're always in the elements you're always 
you know, meeting new people and they're, you know, whether you're in getting dropped off by a train in some random rural neighborhood, or, you know, a lot of times you'll be stuck in Chicago and have to figure out, you know, <laughs> you know, in some, in some not so nice neighborhood in Chicago and, you know, meet up with the random locals and see where, what is, and <laughs> I mean, you're just yeah. always out there in the world. So it's a really cool experience because not many, you know, where every day you don't know where you're going to sleep and every day you don't know who you're going to meet and what's going to happen, you know? <laughs> would you would you even know Pretty where good. the trains were going? Well, yeah. I mean, you basically would have a map, you know, a railroad map, and you can kind of tell based on which direction the train's pointing, get mm-hmm. a general idea which way it's going. Sometimes you would ask the railroad workers if you felt like uh, they seemed cool, but you usually tried to keep a low profile. And then... uh yeah, it was uh I was fortunate enough to be riding with my brother initially, so he knew better than I did where the trains were going. But you would take you know, it'd go you'd have, you have to be a little open ended on your time schedule and where you're going, but you Right. Know, you'll get and then so you're but, so you and your brother are kinda working your way across the country riding trains? Yeah. Yeah, we went across from basically Standpoint or Spokane, Washington, all the way you know, through Chicago down to the, uh, to Charlottesville, Virginia area, and then went up to New York and, and back basically. And I kind of, on the way back, we split off and I, at that point rode by myself for, it was about a week or so, but you know, it was the first time that I had been alone that long without, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't really any human interaction. That was interesting. And it was also, you know, nerve wracking because I was trying to, I didn't want to end up going down the <laughs> completely wrong state or side of the yeah. country, which well, you can do. Uh, is yeah. that like, is that, I mean, I I just have this idea of, you know, riding uh, trains and like, maybe it could be kind of yeah. rough and maybe you could end up, you know, I mean, is it a, is it a life that you encounter oh, yeah. like a lot of people that may want to like take your stuff? Oh, or, yeah. Oh yeah, you got to be careful. I mean, I had at one point when I was by myself, I was set all my gear in the woods, and then I went like walking around to try to scout out the train yard to see which way the train was going to go, which one I need to get on. And sure enough, when I went back, all my gear was gone. I was oh, like, no, man. but I ran, I ran down the trail that I was at, and I found some kid that had like taken it. And like, hey man, he, he dropped oh. it and took off. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, there's definitely, you definitely get into a lot of weird situations, you know, a lot of, uh, but in general, in general, not that it's not that bad. Cause most, most people that are also traveling are people that are always getting <laughs> arrested or something. So they're right. basically not in, they don't have any major outstanding issues you know they're just and they're trying to keep a low are, profile too i guess because they yeah, don't want to get in any more trouble keep a low profile yeah exactly that's for the most part there were never any major issues i had yeah i had there were definitely some intense moments where you don't know what's going to happen but yeah. man that's that's pretty <laughs> wild and then somehow according to your bio that leads you uh-huh. to another like adventure where you go way up north yeah, so then I, uh, well, then I kind of, we ended up settling down here in Virginia because that's where work was good. And then, uh, 
long story short, they get real convoluted, but I met a guy, uh, I heard about a guy that was in Russia building orphanages and kind of doing like missionary type work over there and he needed help. And I thought, Oh, that sounded cool. And I felt really led to do that. And so I, uh, basically bought a plane ticket for a year to go to Russia and went to that village to help that guy. Uh, lo and you know, he's an American guy and I didn't want to live with Americans because I wanted to learn Russian as fast as possible. So mm -hmm. as I figured I was going to be there a long time and I, uh, he sent me to a neighboring village and the, the family that I lived with in that village, the, the man of the household had been in prison with a native like reindeer herder, uh, he's an Evenki guy, but they're a native tr group of people that herd reindeer, live nomadically up in the far north. And uh, he always would tell me about him. Over the course of time, I finally met him and he invited me up north. And he himself is a fur trapper. So he took me into the woods and like, you know, showed me what that life was all about. Siberian fur trapping. <laughs> and then he... Uh, took me off to his cousins who were all na native nomads. They live in teepees and have reindeer. And, you know, that's, I didn't even know people like that existed until I met him pretty much. <laughs> it was wow. kind of blew my mind. Yeah, it was, it was fascinating. I, I was, and I loved it. And I went back for years, you know, for, I spent a total, total of five years in Russia, but three of them were with the natives and a couple, you know, here and there in other villages in Siberia. Wow. So the nomadic reindeer herders, like you would um, move these reindeer, like how far when you say nomadic, no, I mean, they're, they're, they they're have, moving all the time. Right. So. Yeah, they pretty much, they move a lot, but the, it's kind of a symbiotic relationship where the, you can't really tell who's following who, whether <laughs> so the, the, you know, the natives will start these big fires and kind of, feed extra salt and stuff like that to kind of draw the reindeer in uh, the fires, keeping the bugs away. So it brings the reindeer around. And then every morning, the or every evening, the reindeer will run off and spend all night, like splitting all up and heading off and eating and everything. And then in the morning, you'd always wake up, go find the reindeer, round them back to camp, you know, start your fires. They'll kind of, they kind of like to be linked to the people because they're protection from wolves and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but it's always a con, you know, you might be in one in the summer, you'll only be in one area for a few days, maybe three, two, three days. And then you'll move camp and head, you know, six kilometers off and set up a new camp and the reindeer will run around there for a few days and head off again. And during the winter, they get a little more stationary where you might spend, you know, a month or two in one spot. So but, they're, yeah. So they're herding these animals and, and moving them with the intention of eventually harvesting them? Well, they kind of rely on them for everything. So, yeah, they'll, they'll eat, eat them, they'll, uh, but they ride them also in the winter on sleighs. And in the summer, they ride them on horseback like you would a horse, you know, <laughs> so pretty interesting. Really? But so they're kind of reliant on them, you know, of course, for for furs and all kinds of stuff. It's kind of their economic... Uh, <laughs> livelihood but it's also their cultural you know way of life too so do you have to break yeah, a reindeer, reindeer like reindeer you have to break a horse yeah though this so you catch a young a reindeer that you're not necessarily young but just a reindeer that you think strong and would be a good tough one 
basically they'll just tie it to a tree for <laughs> for a day or two until it just exhausts itself yanking at the tree and then it and then they start when they do start doing those moves they'll line up they'll tie up a bunch of reindeer in a train each reindeer will be loaded with supplies and then that one you're training they'll just tie on the back and the other reindeer will kind of drag them along <laughs> mm. <laughs> that that's the way they that's the way they break them and then at some point after a few trips like that you throw your saddle on and go for a ride. <laughs> wow. wow. Man, I had no idea that they rode reindeer. That's Yeah, that's no, it's fascinating. Like I said, when I first went there, I didn't either. I, it was just like really fascinating. So and, uh, did you learn how to communicate with these people fairly quickly? Yeah, they, they mostly speak Russian. They have the, a native language of Enki also, but they... It's one of those things where the old people pretty much all speak Evenki. The people that are my age, they're half and half, and the kids don't don't even speak the native language for the most part. You know, it's that's so kind of sad in that way. But the Russian will get you. I speak Russian now, so I can get by. That's what we uh, talked with. Man, <laughs> and I learned. I did learn a little Evenki, but just kind of fun low level conversational. Yeah, so yeah. so how old are you when you're doing this the with the reindeer herders? Uh, let's see. I guess I was pretty much my 20s, so I'd go and I'd, I probably went to Russia when I was just turning 22 and then I would go over there for a year, come back and work and earn money and then go over there but spend it on tickets and and head back over to Russia and spend another year. And so it's kind of basically my 20s i spent going back and forth to russia so did you ever um build the orphanage yeah we did i well we built it pretty quick and then of course it got uh it kind of got bogged down in whatever bureaucracy and trying to find good people to run the thing although and and it only recently in the last few years actually has started running, but that's pretty cool. I haven't been back to visit it since it got going. But that was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the building stood cool. for a long time, not built, but it, it did finally get, that's pretty exciting. I did, it got built, it got put into use. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So what mm -hmm. made you, what made you decide to not do that anymore? Oh, basically, it was just having little kids. So I've I, even when I got married, my wife went over with me twice, and she spent a full winter in Siberia with the natives, and then she spent, you know, a few months in the summer with them. So she got a good taste of the life, and she really liked it. And then, but then when we started having little kids, we we stuck around here. But uh, I imagine as they get a little bigger, uh, well, I we definitely want to stay connected over there and do, you know, I call them and check in on them and stuff. Yeah. Everyone's doing over there. Wow. And that's fascinating, man. Go, that might go back this fall. But oh, you early? That's the plan, but we got a little, we just had a baby, so he's little, but it's like, man, it's been a few years. I'm itching to go. <laughs> How many children do you have? Three. So what are their uh, ages? Yeah. Yep. Four-year-old girl and a three-year-old boy and a zero-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got three too, so I know where you're coming from. Oh, all right, on. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, that's uh, that's you're very busy with with those ages. 
I remember it yeah, kind of, exactly. I mean, been, you'll, you'll yeah. talk to old people like me and they'll be like, yeah, I remember those days kind of, it was like, I remember it like it was yesterday and it was also like, it was a past life. Like it was, it, right. it, I know, it's I so weird. Like you just, I look at these pictures and I'm like, man, I can't believe Amazing. that was 23 Time years flies. ago or something, you know, yeah. and all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, that but that's what old people told yeah. me all growing up was like, <laughs> oh, just, just, you, you won't believe how fast old time will go. You know, you have children and then time goes super fast. I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Sure you know, and, and then now here I am, I'm 52 and they were right. Like, they were, man, they it goes right. so fast. Man. It goes oh, so yeah, fast. Kids are definitely timers on your life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yep. now you, uh, do you think you, you would ever take the kids up there like to live or just to visit? Um, probably to visit. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big, I, I don't have big future plans. You know, I'm not a great planner, but I, <laughs> if the, uh, if that's the way the, it worked out. I wouldn't be totally opposed, but it, it's pretty complicated to have them live there as far, especially with the natives, because anything, you know, they'd be so, even the native kids that grow up up there. Are so torn between two worlds in a way, you know, I guess it's, it's a little tough. Uh, yeah. I would imagine like the, uh, of, of civilized world that we really have a, a, a grasp on. That's, that's about as mm. close as you could get where people are, still kind of in the old world right like yeah it's it's pretty close it's not it's not as extreme as maybe those amazonian tribes and stuff but it's definitely uh it's definitely a whole different way of life you know they still still have they still have guns and snowmobiles and you know things and the even since i was going in the last 15 years you know they've they've started to acquire more uh, aspects of <laughs> modernity you Does know, anybody, like, but, uh, uh, they don't have phones or computers or anything do they not in the forest uh-uh. but that's yeah. the big you know that's what makes the you, one of the things about their culture that you wonder like man I, in one way i really hope it survives but it's also tough because a lot of the kids want to be in the village where they have phones and stuff whereas you know when you're in the forest it's a whole different way of life and so so a lot, it's hard to get the young people especially young women out in the forest and so it's it's and then when the people are in the village alcoholism and stuff is a huge problem and so it's, yeah. it's tough it's like definitely the people that live in the forest it was funny because you go to the native village and man it's a it's a wreck it's just like times where just every person in the village is drunk you know they have super high homicide and suicide written death rates and stuff and then uh you go out in the village and it's all i mean in the forest it's a whole different feel it's the people are happy and productive and you know they're really uh it's just it's it's fascinating but it does make me really value that culture and hope it survives but it does feel like it has a lot of things hurdles to overcome <laughs> yeah well what a what an yeah, incredible yeah. experience to be part of that when in your 20s yeah like that's right that's pretty wild i mean it, the equivalent of really going to the amazon and being being back there but super cold <laughs> i would imagine yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> imagine sure. it's super cold but that super cold and that whole that whole lifestyle prepares you for this this tv show contest right? right like and yeah so, yeah definitely so how did you hear about the show 
I just had a buddy that watched it, said just like you, and just told me, hey, this is a cool show. And sure enough, I watched it. I was back, I think, season one and two were out. And I watched it, and I was like, oh, that is a cool show. So I don't really watch much TV, but it was the one that I followed. But right when we watched it, I was like, well, you know, you everybody watches it and thinks, oh, I could do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> just, I sent I in an application, but I you didn't have that problem. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I, I, I'm 77 days, man. I don't know. I mean, there were there were some times in watching this where, I mean, you were doing quite well. There were others uh, that were is, is they had oh, like a, yeah, one tough, squirrel man. every two weeks. Yeah, and no, and maybe brutal. some berries and this one girl was eating the these frozen rabbit innards from months ago. Yeah. I mean, making some be, kind of yeah, soup out of be. it. Like, I mean, Tough dang. Folks for sure. Man. And they wanted to win yeah, because at any point they could just tap out. Like they could just push the button and it's over. That was what was yeah. crazy about the thing. And and most of the people that that were capable of winning they got they got sent away because their health became so bad like they would not let them continue yeah. um so i want to yeah, talk about i want to talk about kind of all that kind of stuff but i i just wanted yeah. to find out like you know so you find out about this show and and i i right. didn't look at the show and say i could do that i mean i I, yeah, I like yeah. going camping and stuff like that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've backpacked like all over Yellowstone park, but living 77 yeah, cool. days without much or anything is, uh, man, that's, yeah. that's a different kind of camping. Well, I'd spent some weeks in Siberia alone. So I'd, I'd spend at least, you know, it was like five weeks or so by myself before. So I, I and uh yeah when i watched it i i didn't send in i don't remember sending an application i think i just sent him a link to my youtube videos which was living with the natives you know and uh and i think they liked it and but i didn't hear from him for a couple of years it was like two years later out of the blue they called and said they wanted me on season six and i was like oh wow wow and that happened to be applied. that happened to be set basically right in your comfort zone like right that's the neck of the yeah exactly oh yeah i gotta say like you know i've been back in uh in, in america living the life with the little kids you know <laughs> for the last <laughs> few years and so i hadn't been out in the forest and all that but and so of course when you go up there there's like a lot of unknowns like oh, okay we see how this goes down you never know but once i got out there and once i was dropped off and the helicopter flew away just like within a day or two, I was like, oh, wow, this is, home." you know, like I uh, felt like I was at home. I was like, oh, I felt really in the zone. Everything came back to me. Like, you know, it was like, yeah, I felt really, really good. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was in a uh, really reactive and uh, pressured at any point. It was kind of like, well, Oh, I know what to do here. Kind of, you know, kind of, and, it, yeah. and things went really well as relatively to how they could have. So, yeah. So, I uh, mean, you, you did seem very, very uh, comfortable right away, but I mean, you, you never know what you're watching. Like they, they, yeah, oh, no, there's I, a ton I, of time. There's 77 days. And I guess you guys are filming everything and they pick and choose everything. whichever parts they want. So, uh, you know, they're there's trying so to make a stuff that doesn't get on there. Yeah. It's like, right. it's amazing how much like stuff that when I did it out there, I was like, Oh, that's going to be awesome TV. I'm sure, you know, you're sure that that's going to get on and it just, 
they just have to skip it over because like of time what, constraints. And you're just like, like what? What, what, <laughs> what happened that you thought would make it that didn't? Well, I mean, there's a long, long list, but I would imagine I, I did think I caught a massive fish on my little homemade rod. I caught like 11 giant lake trout, but one of them was 20, almost 25 pounds. It was just a wow. big beast of a fish. And I was, I was ecstatic. <laughs> yeah. That was a super fun, you know, cause you, it's like an eight minute fight with this little on your little homemade little right. fishing rod and, and the whole, and you have barbless hooks the whole time I was nervous. It was going to get off and you finally land it. And it was, just huge it was just super exciting the biggest fish that's ever been caught on the show you know so i just figured for sure that would get on there right but, and, and none, no. of the, none of my fishing got on there except for my net fishing at the end but uh i was surprised by that and then uh oh yeah i mean it's i would have to oh just the amount i caught a lot of things you know so I, they showed that i caught a few rabbits and they showed that i caught a few squirrels and stuff you know but it was like i caught actually didn't show any squirrels but i caught like 28 rabbits and i caught you know but just a bunch and of 40 i think i got 38 mice (laughs) 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 just smashing them all trapping tons of mice and i just expect some of that to get conveyed conveyed on the show but they're fair enough they only have time to show certain things yeah no i mean i was was happy in the end with the edit but it was there were definitely times where i was like while i was watching that i was hoping to see other things so (laughs) when you when you're first getting started on this and they tell you that you're gonna be a part of the show and they they send out like it seemed like everybody could pick certain things that they wanted and and I don't know, like, yeah. like a, a ferro rod was, was one that, you know, is, is right. super important. And maybe another guy right. decided he wasn't going to take that. And he right. you know, substituted that for a fishing net. How did you decide right. what you were going to take? Um, I've, I've focused pretty much everything on food, like what was going to get me food. Cause I'm, I'm a naturally thin guy with a high metabolism and nobody like that's won the show before so i just figured <laughs> i'm gonna have to adopt a whole different strategy like it's not gonna work for me to in all the past seasons you know it's been fairly in the forefront has been the idea that you need to really conserve calories and kind of see how long you can stretch out but my my whole idea was like i know that hypothetically it's possible to find sustainability out here and i I have to provide myself and that only means food, you know, (laughs) for me, it just meant food. And so I was like, so I got to Every item I had was hopefully going to be something that could get me some food in some way. And so aside from like, you know, one guy did take the fishing net instead of the, uh, barrow rod. And that, that was cool. I, I, like I used to, I had planned to make a net, but, uh, I'm not that good with, primitive fire where i would want to rely on it like that so yeah that was <laughs> didn't go that, that one well. dude that was i don't think it went so well i think he was like that's tough because then you just gotta like be so worried about your fire going out you know my fire would just go out every night and i could just spark it up in the morning no problem but yeah it's a whole extra layer of stress that would be not something i wanted <laughs> but the but the uh other than that yeah i was basically what's going to get me food. I didn't take any food items because it was only like each item that, of food was like two pounds. I was like, there's no way 
two pounds is going to be the difference between winning or losing here. So I'm not even going to bother. Just, yeah. I'm either going to find, find it out, make it happen out there, or I'm not, I'm not going to like two pounds won't be the difference. And if it is, it's not going to be me winning. <laughs> too <Yeah>. light. <laughs> right. So the, uh, um, when you, when you're out there, everybody is in charge. I mean, there's like these pelican cases that you can see in the background, and and you they, uh-huh. right when the first on the first day, they everybody's like toting these pelican cases around. There's like sixty pounds of camera gear or whatever. How did that work? Right. Where I mean, are you just setting up a little tripod and on a GoPro? Yeah, and- you basically have yeah a few cameras. You got your GoPro and a, like a handy cam, and then your your big camera. And, uh, and yeah, and it comes in that case, which is, you know, somewhat restricts you to where you can set up camp or move. Cause you don't want to lug that thing too far, but, right. uh, uh, yeah, he basically every morning you just wake up and turn cameras on and always have one or two cameras running. He'd set some game cams around so, so they could, you know, catch you on different angles when you're doing stuff and stuff. Right. And then, it's- uh, and so what yeah. would you do about batteries and, and the full car? Oh, like you, you know, they'd occasionally come and do a medical check to make sure you weren't too skinny or something like that. And, uh, they'd, uh, get bring at that time, bring you new bunch of new batteries and stuff. Or if you happen to run out mid sometime that you could, you could, uh, message them through your little, get, you know, your little messenger thing that you could quit with. And it would, uh, and they would come do a blind drop where they come and drop a bag off on the shoreline and then you go pick it up or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's kind of what I thought, but there were like some, you know, people did a pretty good job of, of setting up cameras and interesting camera angles and stuff like that, where it actually almost sometimes looked like there was a cameraman out there, but it was just, just GoPros and stuff. Yeah. No, you kind of like, right. Yeah. There's no cameraman. It was, for me, not everybody felt this way, but I actually really liked having the camera because it it kind of takes some of the edge of feeling alone off because you felt like you could interact with the camera and people might see this or that. You know, whereas I remember when I had been in Siberia, I was, I was it was just weird to have all these experiences that I felt were so amazing. And as soon as I forget them, they're just gone. You know, right. <laughs> nobody's going to have any, any yeah. experience of it. It's so, so, so cold. Really it's probably it. super hard yeah. to journal. Like your hands are freezing. Yeah. Oh, right. You all on alone. You can't journal. They want you to do all your journaling to the camera. And yeah, in Siberia, I did write some notes, but it's, it's not quite the same or whatever. <laughs> it doesn't really give you the impression of having company. Whereas for me, having the camera was pretty nice. I, I like enjoyed setting up shots and doing, you know, little skits and stuff <laughs> to pass the time. <laughs> yeah. There was some great things that you know you could tell people were just like, they were bored, man. They're dancing and doing all kinds of stuff. It's like, we've been out here for 60 days and, uh, kind of losing it a little bit maybe, or just having fun or whatever. me. Yeah. Oh, right. Totally. Yeah. It's fascinating for me to like watch and see how much the mental game was a factor for a lot of people. Like you really don't want to allow yourself to get bored. I feel like that's why I'm in much respect to the people that have won some of the past seasons, but that, that stayed pretty inactive. Like it would, 
drive me crazy. I just could not sit there for that long. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's like every day. I mean, after I got the moose, there was something that, you know, in my head that told me like, ah, oh, you know, you should just conserve calories, sit here, eat this. And I literally sat there for a morning and I was like, wow, that was the longest morning of the whole time I've been out here. I'm, that's, that's not going to work. And so then I went fishing and you know, go set up some, do this or that. Yeah, like, Go try well, to produce more food. But yeah. I mean, that moose, at least the way that they had it portrayed on the, on the edit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that seemed to be the difference for you. Although now you're saying that you oh, caught yeah. lots of other stuff, but that moose was no doubt. It was the a, moose a is huge no doubt. Thing. Yeah. Had it so, not been for the moose, I don't, I don't know what would have happened. Like it's hard to say, but yeah, the moose was a. So how did that a, happen? I mean, was it true to what was going on on TV? This thing just keeps kind of coming yeah, in. It was and, pretty true. It was like the trunk truncated version, and it's not like it kept coming in. I heard it one night. Uh, I heard it one night and I thought, oh man, like, should I get out of my sleeping bag and Joe try to take a shot? But I didn't want to scare it off. So I just laid there and listened to it. That was on the show. And then that just made me think like, okay, I need to come up with a system where I'm going to ha- know if moose come by. And that's when I set up, I set mm-hmm. up an early warning system, the cans, all that. Uh, and that worked beautifully on the moose that on the show you see i missed a moose <laughs> you think it was the same <laughs> moose a, or or a different one uh no it was a different one the one i missed was it was massive like i haven't seen a moose that big before but it was it was awesome for me to see but uh you can kind of get a glimpse of it i got bad footage of it running away but it was a big moose and then uh but it when I, it went through the cans and kind of ran out to the little peninsula i had set camp up on and then it turned its back to me and was facing the cans because it had gotten scared by them so when i walked up i had a perfect shot but it was in a mud flat and i don't know if you've ever bow hunted or anything Mm -hmm. but super hard to tell distance in when you don't have any it's hard enough to shoot into a field let alone right just a mud flat you know (laughs) right i and what's really funny is i literally thought prior like oh, i should go set out yardage stakes in the mud and uh, and i didn't do it because what are the odds that that would actually be useful but it would have been really <laughs> funny had, had i done that and then had a moose come it would have been that would have been impressive but it, uh no i i shot and i was way off i thought he was at 30 yards and he was at 43 yards and the arrow dropped short <laughs> wow and he ran off but then when i tracked him i tracked him and uh and just kind of started putting pieces together like okay there's you know a cliff here and a cliff there and then it dawned on me that the Avenki people had told me that back in the day where their you know ancestors used to build these fences to funnel moose into certain areas and stuff and and we actually had done a little bit of that in Siberia not for moose necessarily but they'll build these big reindeer fences to kind of keep you know 30 kilometer around just fences and uh and they'd at certain places sometimes put a little funnel to let a moose into the into the pasture the, mm-hmm. they couldn't get back out and uh and all, anyway that just was like man that's a lot of calories but what if i tried <laughs> to build one of those and i was like again i was like man i'm just gonna go for it and i built so that you, fence you, and, you did that kind of by blocking the trail and and using yeah, that so there was, what a was lot natural of trails, right you know you exactly you'll see a lot you know there's several different trails and it's like man i'm out if i'm out here bow hunting with the odds that it comes down the trail i'm sitting there pretty low and so i uh 
yeah, so I funneled all the, I built, you know, I, I was actually going to build more. I hadn't finished it, but I had blocked several trails and funneled them all into one. And, uh, that's sure enough. That's what the moose came wandering down that one day. And I'd set up, I set up a can with a little bit. I modified it. I'd like cut the string so that the can would break a lot quicker and not drag and scare the moose like the first one had. And then, uh, I heard that can clink when I was out checking snares and, you know, you're always sort of hunting <laughs> and yeah. uh, heard the can clink and ran to the mouth of my funnel thinking like, Oh, this is hopefully where it comes. And sure enough, he wandered over there <laughs> and <laughs> took and my shot. Oh man. And, and did you drop it like right pretty close? No, I took the shot and it, and it didn't immediately bolt off and run away at like, out and turned and like turned its mouth towards where I the arrow hit and uh and it felt like a perfect shot but it was quartering towards me so it's a difficult shot and I felt like I might be two or three inches too far to his hind quarters and uh <clears throat> and anyway he took off running and I waited the longest hour of my life <laughs> and, then I, and then i went and tracked him but uh i felt really good about the shot as i tracked him i found like the bubbly blood i was all good and then and then his tracks and his blood all dried up and you're just like oh my goodness no way is this thing gonna get away and it was just like a up and down roller coaster couldn't find his trail finally i was like well if I wounded it, there's bubbly blood. He's not going to run uphill, so he's probably going to be along the shoreline somewhere. And so I just followed the shore and sure enough, spotted him up there. You know, he was still wow. alive sitting there. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It like ducked down. My heart was racing like crazy. It was just the most intense day. I, and, you know, he would sit there. And I've lost deer before. And you just you're just in a panic that he's going to just get up and walk off, you know, <laughs> that's going to be the yeah. end of it. And I won't find him. And so, I, uh, I, uh, and he would stand, he would sit there and then he would stand up and I just like, no, 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 no. But then he would like lay back down. It's like, Oh yes. And <laughs> he did that for a few hours. It was such a long, long wait, but I couldn't get any closer. It's like, he's laying in me. There's no, no other options, but to wait. And so, that's had you I picked up a had you picked up a blood trail again, or you just this is by sight only? No, I did. I hadn't. I hadn't. Yeah. So you I have no idea how sight. how wounded he is, like. Yeah, I, know, I didn't just, know for sure. Yeah, it was just the blood that was a good signal because but yeah. there were just a one looked like cough splatter on some leaves. They actually showed it on the show, so yeah. that's basically that was my most promising blood sign. And then I found drops, but it was it just slowly dried up as it sometimes does. And it turns out it had, you know, I've shot the arrow in and went through, uh, one of his lungs and kind of was a little far back. So it didn't clip the other lung and then it didn't, it didn't exit either. The arrow was fully inside the moose. So the feathers were in there and everything, but it wow. didn't punch through the other side. <laughs> wow. So it was, uh, it was, uh, it had all the blood stayed in the moose and, didn't make for much of a trail but 
I mean, that's really yeah, kind of a testament to how how large the animal is because a lot of people haven't seen a moose before. I've seen them; they're oh, yeah. massive. Even yeah, a small massive. moose is is a massive creature, like way bigger yeah. than a horse, way way bigger than an elk. Like they're huge. Oh yeah, it's such a huge beast. It's so amazing. Yeah. So amazing how animals. far how far away from your camp did he end up dying? Well. It was like 500 yards, which oh. is really lucky because I yeah. uh, I shot him on the far other side of my camp and he ran along the shore in front of my camp and, you know, basically ran the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> he could have usually been a mile and a half and instead he was a half a mile. So <laughs> right. Nice. So it. You you just kind of get that thing cleaned up as much as you possibly can and start start walking meat back. And uh, yeah. are you are you ha- at this point? Had you seen any bears or wolves or anything? No, I I, I hadn't. I'd I'd seen signs of wolves and I'd seen some bear sign, but only once when I had hiked several miles down shoreline. And uh, I had like I kind of was expecting a bear to come. I I put all my meat on that shelf as you saw mm-hmm. yeah. and I kind of, and I kind of expected you, I put the meat there cause I figured if the bear comes, he's going to go for that easy to grab meat before he comes and tries to get in my shelter with me <laughs> and yeah. all my smoked meat. Yeah. <laughs> so I, was, I, was like, I was like, so I'll hear him out there. And when I hear him, I'll come out and I'll have a shot, you know? And so I thought maybe I could get a bear, but I was not expecting a Wolverine at all. And that's what came. And he was, you know, you don't, they don't make as much noise as a bear. (laughs) He came that night and stole a bunch of stuff and took off. And, uh, yeah, that was disappointing. It took, it took a while for it to dawn on me the next morning. Like what, what guy, it looked like a herd of Buffalo had been through there. There were so many tracks. I was like, how did I not hear? And, uh, but they're just wily little creatures. And yeah, he got my whole, I had a, plastic gallon jug i'd found that i had packed full of fat and ran off with that (laughs) so so that ends up that i mean that little event right there ended up being a really big part at least the way the show portrayed it is that that Mm -hmm. fat was crucial to you like i guess this is why the carnivore diet is so popular right now when people eat only meat yeah and and they start dropping weight like crazy because oh yeah the fat the fat intake is not enough so that's what started happening to you right like you started just dropping weight well yeah i wouldn't say i start like most of my weight loss was actually pre-moose um so i i went out there and i'd put on like 20 something pounds almost 30 pounds and then in that first month i almost lost almost all that weight so uh i was back down to basically my normal weight when i shot the moose and then uh and my next med check i expected to still be at my same weight <laughs> yeah. but i had lost you know i'd lost considerably more weight even though i had been eating three meals a day and eating tons of food and i think now i, I you know i i if, I figured it out over time, but while the show is going on, you know, you get a lot of me like, what is going on? But honestly, if I, today, if I were to go on the ketogenic diet, I would lose a bunch of weight, you know, but it'll, it'll level off at some point. And that's what I was worried about not happening there. And, and it definitely losing the fat, uh, was a big deal. Cause that, 
you know, in a gallon of fat, you know, what is it? 90,000 calories. That's a substantial right. amount of days. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, that's, that said, I also had a lot of other fat from the moose. I was never, you know, I, I, I calculated basically, you know, I was rationing what I had and kind of calculated what I had. I think I had 120 days was what I was guessing I had in me there with, yeah. with just my moose. If I didn't catch any more food, you know, so. So, so it, it wasn't as dire as it may have seemed, but well, of it course, was, you know, they're going to, they're going to make yeah. it. I mean, they're making a TV show. Yeah, yeah. So, for, I mean, that's my real. business too, is making TV shows. So yeah. I'm like, I see, you, you know, I'm good. sure that, you know, they're going to take every opportunity they can to make this as you know, drama filled as possible. And, and, but they did a good yeah, job yeah, with yeah. it. I mean, because it wasn't like they over really the did. top, but I yeah. mean, the fat was a big deal. And that's what a lot of the other contestants were having yep. a problem with it is was. they're eating like rabbits. And you always heard that. Um, I mean, there's always been that thing about, you know, what is it? Rabbit, rabbit starvation, starvation or whatever, yeah. where if you just eat nothing but rabbits, yeah. you'll end up starving to death, even if you eat a whole bunch of them because they're so lean. It's fascinating. Yep. Yeah. So you got to get a lot the fat. about that because early on I'd caught a lot of rabbits. All the rabbits I caught was before I got my moose because then I stopped hunting them. But, you know, I had lots of rabbits early on and it, my weight loss was no less than any of the other contestants initially. You know, that first month we all basically lost <laughs> pound yeah. a day or whatever it is. And yeah. uh, but the advantage of getting the rabbits is it does give you some calories hopefully it equals out with what you're burning but at the same time you're not just sitting there you're getting out there you're learning right. your land you know you're finding stuff you and know, some people did stuff. really incredible things with the rabbit pelts like they used those yeah. pelts like one 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 girl made like a made that scarf. Big rope out of it or a scarf and then yeah then, that was cool you know you had little pieces of leather and all kinds of different different things but i mean I don't know. That's what I was impressed with, with so many of the people. It wasn't like just like people that were interested in surviving. I mean, obviously they had, they had really acquired these skills over, over a lifetime of, you don't learn how to, you know, tan a rabbit. Yeah, that girl that did the, the girl that made the Wonia that made that rabbit scarf or whatever. She's a master of, of, buckskin and all that kind of stuff, you know, hide, right. hide work master. Yeah. Wow, that was cool to be able to see her do that out there. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, one of the things that I thought was wild about, about your story was when you made the fishing net, because like you yeah. were, what happened? I can't remember what happened, but so, so you, Oh, it was, ice. There was that Wolverine before. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. The, so uh, there was, there was ice and, and they made it appear as though, you know, without, a little bit of fat, you're going to starve to death, even though you're eating this moose, which yeah. sounds like you were doing okay, right. but, uh, still you probably could have benefited from a fish. Well, I, so, you know, I just, while I'm out there, I'm assuming somebody else got a moose too. So it's like, I, there was no point at which I felt like I could sit still. I was like, uh, cause you know, I, anyway, w once I lost that fat also, I was like, well now if anyone else got a moose, I'm down because I, I lost my moose's fat. <laughs> so, yeah. so the pressure was on for me to keep producing still. And the, you know, the Wolverines have been an issue the whole time. And then I was just like, yeah, when, the, when I wanted, I was looking forward to ice fishing and yeah, I had planned on making a net the whole time and it ended up being a really good task because it was kind of tedious. It didn't burn a lot of calories. And, uh, 
when you're and it's working towards the goal of producing food. So <laughs> had good, you ever done that before? Or did you that. practice that? No, I hadn't made it. I hadn't made a fishing net before. I'd used nets in Russia, you know, been with the natives. But uh, yeah, I, I I just made one. It took me a while to figure out the right knot with the paracord because when you tie that paracord, I actually started while I was out there making a net. And my whole first day, I came out uh, after working all day on it. And the next day, all the knots had come loose. So I was like, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so I, had to, I had to like. I wasted all that paracord and I had to come up, you know, sit there and tinker with it until I found a knot that would work. And I did eventually. And it was, and it was good. And, and then, I, you know, that was at the, you know, you, you can, it's not like I can shoot another moose and all the bears are hibernating and I had gotten the Wolverine. So I was like, I didn't have much that I was looking forward to. I felt like, well, the future is just going to be a slog now. <laughs> and, and, uh, except i was like i made this net and man i would be so excited i even like half jokingly said a prayer like oh just let me catch the biggest fish i can in this net <laughs> it's like the, and, the last and, bit of joy i can have out here so and, when you did the net fishing yeah. with the with the natives was it under the ice like uh, you did it yeah i'd seen that before but i i never actually had done it but i'd seen a and you just like, pick a I, random I, I, spot out in the lake and throw throw this, what was about a well, twenty foot net. Had, yeah, yeah, it was, it was like, yeah, it was probably like a little over twelve feet, but it was roughly twelve by four yeah, or five. Yeah, something twelve like that. by four, and, and then, you just put that under the net, under the ice, and you actually caught something. Yeah, I put it where I'd been <laughs> fishing and catching a lot of fish, and it sat there for a few days and. And I didn't have it, didn't get anything. And I actually was like, oh gosh, I'm actually going to move my net. I didn't even know if it was worth it, but I got it out of the ice and took it to a whole nother spot and plunked it down. And that was it. That's where I just the next day checked it and I couldn't believe it. It took me a long, it took a long time for me to, to dawn on me that I even caught a fish because, well, I had done some little tricks. So I put what I saw the natives do is they'd hang shiny things in their net and so i did that i found a tin can that i cut out fish shapes and hung it in my net mm -hmm. and sure enough that's right where the pike struck the net and i uh hung it and uh yeah but when i went out to check it <laughs> i was looking through the ice and i couldn't see my net and it didn't even dawn on me that there was a fish in it. and i was just like oh man like what happened to my net like why can't i see <laughs> chop through the ice and then it was like literally as I was pulling the fish out, that was when it dawned. Oh, it's actually a giant pike in here. I was like, oh man, that was a big that one. Was, I mean, that thing was like twenty was pounds, exciting. twenty-five pounds, right? Yeah, it was right. It was in between twenty. It was so I had, I still had that lake trout that was huge that I caught. I never ate it. I was saving it, but the uh, so I, it was about the same size as that, and I, you know, plus or minus, I couldn't really tell. But yeah, it was over twenty pounds. Hmm. I don't know what exactly, wow. but so it was, yeah, that was a fat pike full of eggs. Mm. Yeah. The Delicious. first dude, man, he ate that. He ate the fish eggs and got sick on the first day. Uh, like, yeah. Two people like went down like right away. One of them ate like a muskrat or something. And the other ate fish eggs. Yeah. And that's rough. They got so yeah. sick. I couldn't figure out what was happening. And I thought, well, maybe everybody's going to get sick. Maybe it's the water, you know, or whatever, but <laughs> yeah, I've totally. 
I was surprised he got sick on those fish eggs. I wasn't sure. Maybe it was something in his plastic bag or something. Yeah, something. Uh, I don't know. Did you ever get sick? I wasn't sure. I got mildly sick once. I got a little careless when I was boiling up a bunch of fish, and I had all these rabbits, and I wasn't eating the rabbits because they didn't taste good. And uh, But I was like, well, I should... I should eat them. I did catch him. So then I <laughs> threw one of my rabbits in with my fish, but then I kind of was, you know, you're doing other things. And of course, fish, you don't have to cook that long, but the rabbit, I should have cooked longer. Yeah. And that night I felt pretty nauseous, but it, you know, uh, it was never scary because it's like, I don't care how sick I'm going to be out here. I'm not going to quit when I have and, a moose. <laughs> so and, right. I might have to just puke for a long and, time. And no, no problems. You didn't have any problem with Giardia or anything waterborne? No, I didn't have any gut issues. No. And the natives had told us we could drink out of the water before we went. But I, you know, well, for one, one thing I learned in Russia is when you're in the Arctic, it's like a waste to ever drink cold water. You might as well heat your water because it's just going to burn unnecessary calories and t- sap your energy. So I would always heat my water anyway. So I just boiled it. And eventually I would, I, I started like dabbling and drinking a little unboiled water just because I figured I could. And, and then I, yeah, sure enough, you can, there's no problems. I drink towards the end i could just i just heat the water so it was warm and drink it and yeah well that that makes a big difference it's not any fun to get the giardia i had that one time oh yeah not good yeah in the rocky mountains i got that and uh it's it's not good at all um so what do you think your most valuable skill was uh yeah it's funny i would have to say i don't know it's like hmm it's got to be Part, partly, you know, the, the mental side of things. I've been thinking a lot lately, you know, it makes you think like, what is it about, what is it that makes resilience, you know, and like, yeah. how does someone become resilient and, and what are the cause, you know, I've been given that some thought lately and that's kind of been a fun, uh, thing so to think about. That's but something I, that we, but, that's something that I talk about on this, on this show quite a bit. Um, what right. do you think that is? What kind of answers are you coming up with? What is resilience and why do people, why do some people have it to a degree like you do and when, and other people think, uh, fall a little short? Yeah, there's a, probably a lot. There's a multifaceted. I've, I've actually written up a list of things that I think ones that pop into mind would be like, I think having perspective and being able to maintain perspective is valuable. And that comes through, through either experience or, or say reading and being having the wisdom to uh, <laughs> to glean from other people's experience. And so I think uh, I think uh, sorry, I got a little distracted. But the uh, that is a big deal. I also think uh, resilience. It's uh, sorry, I was getting a little distracted. That's all right. The uh, I mean, recover. Uh, yeah, no. Okay. So yeah, reading, I think reading and, and having life experience that keeps perspective. It was easy to, it was easy to, you know, for a lot of people, it was like, man, I'm so, so long without the family or this or that. But it's like, you know, I'd been in Russia for a year at a time and you kind of, you know, that when you come back, your family still loves you. And this, (laughs) so having that experience helps, helps put that time into perspective. Uh, I also think 
um, keeping, uh, well, I think you have to have your foundations kind of secure and you don't want a lot of skeletons in your closet because I think if you, if you get out in a situation like that and both in Siberia and in Canada, you know, you start thinking about all kinds of stuff, people that you may have not done right to or situations that are just like loose ends. Fortunately, I don't have a lot of those. So it wasn't it didn't feel like things that were bombarding my psyche all the time. But had I had that, I think that would be a problem. Like if I was recommending someone that was going on alone, I was like, make sure all your ends are tied. You know, yeah. <laughs> like you don't have yeah. you don't have skeletons in your closet, things that you're going to regret not having said or done. Um, I think that helps be more resilient. I think obviously, obviously. I was thinking it's important not to be super bored, you know, like, cause once you get bored, you get, you, it's really a mental struggle. Uh, so I mean like over a long period of time. So I think, sure. Oh, sure. the other thing would be to like ha- take a proactive approach to your situation as opposed to a reactive approach. So where you, you know, kind of are more in say fight mode instead of flight mode. Right. <laughs> it's definitely feel and when you're in those situations, it's a distinct, difference you know like i could the the wolverine would attack you know like come and pillage my place and then it was like for a minute you'd feel like you're in reaction mode and you man i feel helpless to like stop this and then it's like oh no wait i can't there are a lot of things i can do so i just have to (laughs) follow all the steps that i can do to minimize the odds that this will affect me again you know (laughs) right take those steps do it Uh, and then when you're exactly and dispatch him whatever your issue is <laughs> just just really like yeah find those solutions rather than uh yeah i don't know there's a lot of stuff it's a long topic but it is a fascinating yeah. thing to well, it's think interesting about, right? it's interesting that that you go like right to those loose ends and and you know uh-huh. that's just not that's not where i thought you would go right away it's interesting you know to yeah. That, that yeah. Well, it was surprising when you watch in not just this season, but previous seasons too. It's like surprising how much the, the mental aspect of it affects people. And certainly. Yeah. So yeah, what about, yeah. like so, you mentioned reading a couple of times, what, what stuff do you like to read in, on, on that um, so- topic? That been, yeah. The books that have been most impactful to me on resilience would probably be I think the number one one was the Gulag Archipelago when I read that whole series. And that was uh, years back. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I'm not. Uh, but I put it on my list. Uh, yeah, so it's like a three-volume math. It's basically Alexander Solzhenitsyn's the author, and he basically exposed what was going on in the Russian Gulags, having you know lived through them. Uh, it's a really long series and it's really thick reading except, but so I would recommend if you're going to read it, read book two out uh, there's three books, read volume two or whatever, because it's just amazing, fascinating stories. And uh, yeah. And when I read that, it just put all my future suffering into perspective. I also had read a lot when I was young, I read a lot of, world war ii memoirs and a lot of the ones from like the german side were really impactful to me because it was just like wow it's crazy to go through this situation so there was a book blood red snow one called the forgotten soldier and they just it's crazy to go through such a experience lose all your friends make new friends lose all those friends 
then find out that the cause you're fighting for is garbage. And then you know, it's just like, wow, what a hit after another. Like, it's just, to me, it was, uh, those were pretty impactful as far as putting my life into perspective and my level of suffering. I also had, uh, you know, a family history that, that was the same because my, my grandpa and grandma lived through the Armenian genocide and they, things they saw were just, uh, terrible. And, and to see them come out of that situation as like joyful and positive people is makes it so that you can't really complain about, I couldn't complain about my situation and not (laughs) try to, to try to reach into the same well. There's a good book on that, which was called, uh, um, oh man, something. Oh, well, I guess that slipped my mind into the <laughs> desert. Uh, oh, well, <laughs> I don't want to spend five minutes trying to think of it. That's okay. Uh, man, those are good, good anyway, book suggestions. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like those to read. read volume two of that Gulag Archipelago. It's kind of a classic. It's like something everybody should read. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, he's the guy, I don't know if you've heard the line, uh, in, in book one, he has a line that says, you know, the, the line between good and evil goes through, not between like political ideologies or countries or this and that, but right through the heart of every man. And it's our, our life, you know, duty is to shift our own <laughs> selves towards the good, you know, yeah. which is a cool idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read, uh, quite a few, um, different books kind of somewhat similar to that, like the forgotten Highlander. Mm -hmm. And then there's, uh, Uh you know, Victor Frankl's man's search for meaning is another one. That's a good one. You know, I mean, you just, you just read just exactly like what you're saying is like, man, you don't, I don't have any room for complaining here. Like I, I don't, I don't know suffering. Like these people know suffering like serious real suffering that is in today's world is is simply hard to imagine i mean and really you can't even imagine it so you have to read a book to to even get any sort of perspective on that and you're just kind of like wow it's unbelievable i mean that's cool that you uh that you get such such strength from from reading those books um man do you have any um, desire to do something like this again? Do you have any plans for that? Uh oh, are you there? Did you go on mute, Jordan? I'm here. Can okay. you hear me? Yeah, I can now. Um, oh, so, weird. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I just went <clears throat> quiet. Um, I noticed um, that your your brother is now on right. Alone the Beast, which I've only Yeah. I, I'm I'm watching it on the history app. I don't I don't really watch a lot of mm-hmm. network TV, so I'm watching it on the history app. And it seemed like there's only one yeah. episode. Is that how it is? Or is it yeah, is this it's right. It's just it's just one episode per group of people. So yeah. And so make sure you watch episode two in that case. That's the one Ben's on. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's the one. Good, I, yeah. That's the one I watch, man. He's uh, he's right. a beast. Like the bear comes in and he just goes chasing <laughs> after the bear, throwing rocks at it. And, I mean, he is first. Uh, 
first everything. I mean, he he grabs the 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 muskox quarter. It goes straight over the shoulder. I'll run this down to the, you know, to the water. Like he's he's <laughs> right, right. really on it. Like I figured if this is a contest, I didn't know how the show was structured, but I had him uh-huh. picked right away as as the guy that <laughs> was going to cool. win. You know, because he's, oh, he'd do good. He'd yeah. Yeah, so that's not a contest like yours was. No, it wasn't. It was just a. It was not a contest, and so, yeah, he did. But it was. He did a great job. No, it was fun to watch the teamwork and watch Ben kill it out there too. <laughs> yeah, I mean skinning, skinning, and and field dressing a oh, muskox. I don't a envy. Rock. I, I mean, yeah, dang, I don't envy dude. the no tools at all situation. That's tough to have nothing but, at all. But I they thrived, man. Yeah. They they got the fire going. They got, yeah. they, they kept quartering that thing out with these little rocks that were sharp enough somehow to, to cut yeah. this meat off. Like, I don't know. It was, yeah, you know, the they had bears. The, bear the, the bugs seemed yeah. horrendous. <laughs> yeah, they are, they are in the summer in the North Golly. But yeah. yeah, it was it was something to watch. So, do Good you and, and Ben guys. have uh, have any any kind of plans on maybe well, trying to parlay any yeah. of this attention and success into something else? Yeah, it'd be cool. Um, there's vague plans, but nothing real concrete yet. There is potential for doing some sur- survival training this summer out in the. Uh, mountains of idaho which would be really cool but it's still kind of in the early stages the planning and then uh yeah i don't know there's a few other things that would just everything's real early i don't know what'll happen of it all but i guess stay tuned and we'll see see if anything cool comes of it yeah so so how are (laughs) you making a living before the show and then after the show did anything change are you still doing Uh, what you were doing before well, I still do what I do before, but I uh, would like to shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I do is I get these old, I live in a town with a lot of old rundown houses and get those and renovate them and then rent them out. Okay. That's <laughs> basically. Yeah. So, yeah, just doing that kind of stuff. But um a little sick of that. So, it'd be nice to Well, move, I would think for sure, for sure, you and your brother could get some survival courses going. I mean, that's really popular right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. No, and it'd be fun. And I think I honestly like not I just think I have I've never been to a survival course, so they're offering a lot of things that I don't know. But I actually have also lived with people who practically live that life. And so I know what's kind of the wheat and what's the chaff and yeah. and, and then I have a few extra things that nobody here use you know, like the right. for example, using the fence was an idea I'd never seen, but uh, yeah. Anyway, it'd be it'd be it would be cool. I think it'd be fun. And well, I certainly wouldn't good wouldn't uh, you know the fact that you've never been to a survival school or you don't know like what that would look like. I think that's your advantage, honestly. I think right. I think, I think that, it was for me too, in a way, because it put me. I had a, just a different mindset. I really thought, you know, what I can thrive out here, and I didn't, you know, because I've seen it done, and I kind of know the path you need to get there. Which, yeah. Which, yeah. 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 Well, it worked, man. So, it worked for you and it yeah, seemed to work yeah. for your brother. And, um, yeah, God, if you get these, if you get these survival schools going, I'd like to, I'd like to come and spend a week with you guys. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> oh, I know yeah, I would learn, a, I would learn a ton. Um, 
Well, man, I'd yeah, like to Dad, do this again. I, I really would as yeah, you, as I'm you get your plans straight and, um, you're super interesting dude, man. I mean, I knew you would be yeah. <laughs> because of what I saw on TV, but I mean, you just had, you just had, you know, a, a, a wild life. Like that's some of your experiences are just not something that you run into every day. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Like, like this, this path that you've taken, man. So I hope that we'll stay in touch. And, um, as you get your plans together and you get one of these survival schools, maybe, uh, maybe we can get together and do that. Or I can take you fishing where it's way easier than what you were way, what you were doing. (laughs) That would be a blast too, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, the, 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 the toughest fishing that I've seen is on your brother's program. They were out there oh, trying wow, to fish yeah. and they didn't have any fish yeah. hooks and they carved a piece of bone that was supposed to yeah. turn when you pulled on the line, it was supposed to turn sideways in the fish's mouth. And man, I thought these guys are going to get, have to get a thousand bites to catch one fish. Like there's no way that that thing know. is going to, is going to happen. I, I just didn't see any way that that, that fish hook, that right. apparatus was going to work, but apparently it did. And I just it couldn't did, believe man, it, man. Was, I couldn't believe it. And with that sinew fishing line and all yeah, that, like, it was like, yeah, it was like police was awesome. caution tape, you know, it's like tying <laughs> something on with caution tape and throwing it out into a lake. And, uh, I mean, granted that lake probably doesn't get fished very often, but dang, no. man, I just, that, uh, I mean, I fish for a living, but that just seemed like a really hard way to catch a fish. Um, but oh, they yeah. did it, I mean, man. They, spent, they put t- their time in to catch that fish. Bro. Yeah, they did too, <laughs> they man. Did it, which is and the awesome, fact they man. caught it the way they did with that, with basically a bone that turns sideways when you pull it and gets lodged in the yep. fish's mouth. I mean, man, I've got chemically sharpened circle hooks and we miss, <laughs> we miss fish on those things with, yeah, with the best tackle and everything. And you still miss fish. I, I mean, they must've gotten so many bites. The fishing had to be well, so man, good. It must, it must make it that much more exciting when you do catch that. Fish. God, like, I just yeah. couldn't believe it, man. They were they were pretty excited. The one dude, he couldn't believe he had it on there. And your brother went over there and just beat the crap out of the thing because he knew this was a, this was the only shot they had. Yeah, <laughs> there's, yeah. There's never going to be Apparently another person catch a fish like this. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he jumped on that thing, man. There was no doubt about it. Like, he he definitely seen one go back in the lake that that didn't get hit yeah, on the yeah. head. <laughs> that, totally. was, that was awesome, man. That was awesome. Well, man, Jordan, thank you very much for doing this. I love talking to you. And if people want to check you yeah. out, man, where do they go? I have a Facebook that's like Jordan Jonas alone, and then I have a. Hobo Jordan on Instagram or just jordanjonas.com has all this stuff on it. Links yeah. to like YouTube yeah. and stuff. And then YouTube if you're interested, okay, YouTube and uh, you got survival videos and stuff like that on there or what? what's on yeah, YouTube? Yeah, some survival videos, a lot of videos of my time with the Avenki. I just took video oh. while I was there. And, oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, I'll check that out. I hadn't been to your YouTube page, but if anybody wants to watch this show that we, uh, that we're talking about, certainly, uh, we've already spoiled it for you. He wins, 
But even if you know who's going to win, man, this this show is incredible. And you can see it on I, the way I saw it. I went to the history app and downloaded the history app on my television and and watched it through there. Yeah. And it's season six, I think, on Amazon Prime. Yeah. They have some of the earlier seasons on there, but I uh, couldn't find yeah, your, your season. So t to watch it, I had to oh, okay. you know watch it through the history app. But uh Highly yeah. recommended, man. It's it's uh, really good, <laughs> and the people that were on there were uh, they were legit survivalists for sure. Um, yep, all of agreed. Them. All right, man. Well, listen, Jordan. Thank you very Thanks, much. Stop, I really appreciate it. Let's do this again uh, in a couple of months. See where you are. Let's do it. We'll be all in right, touch. buddy. Thank <laughs> you. All see right, you. see ya.